Stand by. Processing. Processing. Radio in motion program loading in 3, 2, 1. Program activated. Attention everyone, the unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Okay, first things first, what is your name? This is Big Sonny, playing the best of the 90s and beyond. Are you, are you ready for this? Yeah. Radio in motion. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. Alright, right, here we go. Radio in motion. Hey everyone, it's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It means it's not Monday night. And that is enough cause for celebration, don't you think? It's not quite the weekend, but uh, we're on our way. There's no turning back. No one can stop you. No one can put you back to Monday. And I say Wednesday, you're halfway there. Thursday is Friday Junior, right? And Friday, well, Friday's great because they can't keep you there because that would be wrong. Uh, definitely looking forward to the weekend. I hope everyone else is. Hope you're enjoying the last bits of sunshine. It's looking to get uh, a bit cloudy. Still nice, but uh, I think the, the warmer weather is behind us. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight on Radio in Motion. Got a great show tonight. Uh, tonight is uh, my Rough Riders installment, which is any sort of music that makes you want to, I know, get on a motorcycle, get on your horse, get in your car and go for a drive. Or just get out there and, and uh, you know, escape. And that's the uh, sort of rough, rough rider sound on the range, uh, getting out there. And uh, look, you don't have to have a motorcycle or be cruising down the road uh, with the top down. But I have to admit, lately I've been, I've, been, I've been getting the motorcycle vibe again. I see a lot of motorcycles on the road. And I don't know, maybe that's what uh, inspired me for the, the Rough Riders episode. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy tonight. And uh, we've got a, gr- a lot of great music coming up. And we'll kick it off with uh, the first sort of band I think of when I think of Rough Riders. And that's uh, ZZ Top with LaGrange. All right, you're listening to Radio Motion on Summer Radio 99.3 FM. Oblivion by Royal Blood. Before that, no one knows. Queens of the Stone Age and kicking off our Rough Riders tonight. ZZ Top with LaGrange. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight. I don't know if it's the music that's getting me amped up, that music that just wants you to go uh, pedal to the metal, but uh, one of my uh, favorite subjects is uh, trying to combat cancel culture. I hope you're all out there doing the same thing. Uh, I feel like cancel culture, the first problem is, is they don't want you to have your say. They don't like it if uh, it's their narrative and you don't follow it 100%. Uh, if you're not on board 100%, you are canceled. You're out. And, uh, you know, that's not just, it's just not sustainable. It's not sustainable in the world for the past 2,000 years, and I don't think it's going to be sustainable in the future. Uh, I was listening to one of my favorite shows, uh, Bill Maher, and, you know, the, the thing that's, that's great about, about Bill Maher, you know, he's, he's uh, a comedian, and he's, he's always had his show before this, Politically Incorrect, and it's funny how the Politically Incorrect, the politics shifted. And uh, for him, like he says... Um, he hasn't changed. Um, the world's changed. And uh, uh, another thing that's great about him is he's willing to have those open discussions with anyone. Uh, he's not there to uh, throw anyone under the bus or cancel anyone. He's just there to figure out how we get back to just having normal conversations. And the kind of conversations where at the end of it, it's very possible, folks, that uh, you're not always going to agree uh, what happened to agreeing to disagree, but learning something from that. 
uh, and Bill Maher is great with that. Uh, Joe Rogan is similar with that. Russell Brandt, uh, similar. And, um, you know, those are the kind of, uh, you know, celebrities that are, are always willing to talk to each other. And it's great when you see them talk to each other. Uh, and they have, they have different views. Uh, Ben Shapiro, I've seen all of them talking to each other and they're sort of uh, on polar opposites of the of the political aisle but that's that's the point that's the great thing you can have different views but still get together and discuss how we get to a balance how we get to a point in the middle where we agree to at least ensure uh, everyone has a say uh, and Bill Maher, you know, again, he's always uh, pretty good with that. He was talking about recently, uh, it's getting out of control, the whole idea of, of, of everyone being so triggered and so sensitive. And uh, this is especially apparent uh, in the whole university scene. I feel like universities are just creating the next generation of people to go out there wrapped in bubble wrap, uh, worried about trigger warnings in the world. At every corner, there could be a trigger. And then, you know, they go and get a job and they find they can't handle it because they've been sold some sort of lie that that the world is there to um, pamper you and to bow down to your needs. Uh, and that's the problem. The world's not going to do that. Uh, the world is not going to bend to make you feel comfortable. Uh, and if you're surrounded by that, well, it's a, it's a lie and it's not going to last very long. Uh, so again, a popular thing now is sort of trigger warnings. Uh, it's happening on movies a lot. Uh, and he mentioned there was one, uh, a Brooklyn theater, uh, was warning, uh, for a movie that contains darkness and violence. And that movie was Oklahoma. Let me tell you folks, Oklahoma, whether it's a movie or a play is just a musical about a, a bunch of crazy white people dancing around and singing and i just can't figure out where the darkness and violence is uh maybe it hints at that because sure wagon training was pretty violent but that particular <laughs> broadway hit or film really doesn't get into the darkness and violence so if, if you're getting triggered uh by oklahoma I, I i dare say other things in the world may may very well make you faint to the point where you'll have to be rushed to the hospital uh, he mentioned another one. Uh, London's Globe Theatre has a warning before staging Romeo and Juliet uh, includes suicide. Right, right. So that 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 play is a good 400 years old. So I, I, I hate to do spoiler alert. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, Romeo and Juliet does does contain a pivotal scene, uh, including suicide. Kind of the entire point of the film uh, ends up at that scene that's just ridiculous that that play <laughs> if, if you haven't seen it by now uh rush out and see it now it's great um again that's just ridiculous trying to go now into the past reaching into the past and trying to correct things uh to fit in our in our modern world and our our modern narrative and uh it's uh, it's just getting old uh sayings like killing it can't say killing it we're killing it man uh, that could be triggering. Someone might go, you, you mean me? You're killing me? Have you killed me? What, what, what's happening? You're oppressing me. You're oppressing me. And and uh, you'll get like a citizen's arrest. Uh, beating, beating a dead horse. I've heard this one before. And there's a trend with this one too. Um, I'm an animal lover. I don't want to go and, and beat anyone's horse. But it's just an old saying. And it's it's pretty self-evident what it means. You know, you're just wasting your time. You're beating a dead horse. Nobody said that the person beat the horse to death. They're saying the horse is dead and someone's beating it. There's no point. It's already dead. No one's uh, condoning, uh, you know, animal abuse. But instead, it's um, feeding a fed horse. All right. I get you. 
that's got softer rounded corners and it's 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 cushier but it's just not something that i'm gonna say uh and and the funniest part of all uh even the phrase trigger warning uh has a trigger warning as in you may be triggered (laughs) by seeing the phrase uh trigger warning look if you can't see by now that it Sometimes the pendulum swings so far to the right or so far to the left, and when it goes too far, it has nowhere to go but back to the middle, which is just the balance of being logical and normal and, uh, and not being like this. Because again, if you're going out into the world and, and you're this triggered that you need a trigger warning before uh, uh, Dumbo or Peter Pan, because the, the themes may be old-fashioned or inappropriate, um, realizing that again, these stories were written you know, 100 years ago, um, Roald Dahl, another one I think it's interesting, Charlie and Chocolate Factory and, and all of his books. Uh, apparently, he wasn't a perfect person, so we have to cancel him because maybe he had certain views that didn't fit. So you have to cancel the books. And that's the thing now. It seems to be you have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. There is no, no good can be done. Uh, you know, even if the books do have uh, excellent morals to their stories, and I'm sorry to say a lot of them still hold up to this day because especially in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, if you look at all those kids and you think, oh, they're all just they're all just sweet and nice. They're not bad. No, they're all bad, 100%, and they need to be taught a lesson. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Uh, if you don't teach them when they're young, you will end up with criminals. Uh, I'm sorry. Is that, is that um, are you aghast by that? Is that news to you? Um, you know, there are lessons to learn and we all learn them, whether you learn them young, you learn them older, you have to learn them. And part of that is stumbling. Part of that is you trip and you, you get up again. Why do you, why do you fall? You know, so you can pick yourself up. Uh, you know, there is reasoning behind the way things have been done for a long time. And, uh, I think it's odd that now they're going back and trying to rewrite books and rewrite history, trying to rewrite James Bond books. That one has uh, driven me, uh, over the edge. Uh, again, James Bond, those books, those movies were reflective of the time. If you don't want to watch them, don't watch them. If you don't want to read them, don't read them. You can't reach back into the past and fix everything and reset it to today because you know what happens? And I've said this before. You really need to be a student of history. It's the one class that I think I think kids are really missing out on. They're so obsessed with learning about all this gender ideology and all these other things that have nothing to do with trying to figure out where we've come from so we know where we're going. And history is part of that. If you change history, you have no reference point as to where we've been and what we've learned since then and how we've evolved since then. Uh, And going back and trying to rewrite that, it's funny, so many people on the left call everyone on the right fascist and it cracks me up when their actual behavior is the textbook definition of fascist to try and rewrite something to their narrative to to erase books to erase the past and to ensure everyone is in line with their beliefs does that sound right to you does that sound like a bunch of hippies on a hill running through the hills holding hands with flowers in their hair kumbaya something has changed my friends since the 60s i don't know what happened the left turned into the extreme left like i say all the people that now don't understand what happened even like bill maher who's very liberal himself he is very liberal he's a he's a pot smoking comedian hippie and he's awesome because he still comes out and just says it how it is he says the truth he says again he didn't change the line didn't he didn't move the line moved (laughs) you know (laughs) the pendulum swung away from him 
So yeah, I'm I'm concerned with just, and I hope we're getting out of it. I hope we're moving on this whole cancel culture woke movement back to having a conversation, back to someone not being so triggered just to have a conversation, especially when it's a subject they brought up. Uh, and again, something like James Bond going back and rewriting those books, taking out words that might be triggering. You are you are messing not only with someone's art, but again, you're messing with history and a time. And if it upsets, upsets you, then then ignore it. Go on to something else. But I think you need to learn about history the way it is. You leave history the way it is. It's factual. It happened. There it was. But look how better we are now. Look, what we've learned since then. Uh, and again, some of the things back then, dare I say, were actually quite brilliant. So you can't cancel them all, uh, you know. Uh, there were smart people back then, and sometimes today, I, I dare say there are some people who aren't as smart as people from the past. So if someone has written a brilliant book, uh, you, can't, you can't just erase it and make it into your own words. So anyway, I'm also leading into something else where I think is interesting, sort of ties in to, I think, this whole other part of cancel culture, which, which, is, which is sort of selective victimhood. Uh, and... Uh, We've been talking about Will Smith on uh, on earlier shows. Now with with Will Smith and uh, I'm sure I'm sure you know if you don't know it's the slap heard around the world. Uh, Will Smith um, slapped Chris Rock at uh, the previous Oscars show, and um, Chris Rock has been um, you know a, a bit private and, and not really um, commented on it. And and you know why should he? He can do what he wants. He can play it how he wants. And I think he's finally done the right thing. He's brought it out in the right form, which is uh, in his comedy show, because that that's what you do. And that's the other thing about comedians. I hope they are never silenced, like Chris Rock or Chappelle or, or any of these comedians, because they are the satire. They are the reflection of us, you know? Comedians are absolutely the mirror of society. And very often when they go up there, you know why we laugh? Do you know why we laugh? Again, for the people who aren't super, super fragile and triggered, we laugh because we know it's true. I'm not saying after the show you can't discuss it and bring up, oh, that was, a, that was a controversial subject. That's fine. Bring it up. Discuss it. Try to fix it. Try to change the world. Think outside the box. Get your friends together and change it if it triggers you. Otherwise, it was still funny because it's true. And like I say, comedy involves everybody. Everybody. From a young man to an old man. From a young woman to an old woman. To a white woman to a black woman to an Asian woman an Asian man. Everybody on earth in this huge melting pot is included in comedy because the human comedy itself is hilarious. The human condition is hilarious. And comedians, they are timeless. And again, they reflect exactly who we are and exactly what's happening at the, that time uh, of society and politics. And with Chris Rock, he's finally sort of incorporated that into his show. And I think that's good. And he's talking about what happened. And uh, he was saying that Will Smith sort of suffers from selective outrage. And, you know, I think that's true. Um, I think Chris Rock was just, you know, a pawn in this situation, which was be between Will Smith and his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. Had nothing to do with Chris Rock. Uh, he decided at that point that all the things, all the stuff that Will Smith was going through and his wife, um, he decided that that was, that was the point to take it out on Chris Rock because of, again, because of a very innocent joke. And, uh, you know, he, he's calling that out on that. And I think that's good. Um, you know, look, Will Smith did a half-ass apology, but uh, I still don't think it was good enough. Uh, he goes on to say, you know, he's not going to play the victim, Chris Rock. He said he's not going to show up on, 
on Oprah or Gail crying. He goes, you'll never see that. And I think that's a good thing, too. I think there's so much victim to victimhood, uh, and that's a bit of a, a, um, a nod to Meghan and Harry. Uh, again, don't know how you feel about them, but it's if you've seen the uh, the South Park episode, that is hilarious because, because again, it, look, they nail it on the head, and that's why it triggers um, on Meghan and Harry because it specifically shows what they're doing and they don't like it, so they get further triggered by it. Again, the the victimhood thing, uh, and the thing is pretty much, why don't you just leave us alone? Why can't we just be left alone? We want to be left alone, have a private life. Uh, while they're on their world tour of Please Leave Us Alone. Um, in the South Park episode, they're shooting off fireworks in their yard while yelling out with signs, Please Leave Us Alone, we just want our privacy. Uh, I'm sorry, but that is classic, because it is exactly what they're doing. The people who cry victimhood and that they just want to be left alone are so much striving and yearning for the public life. Oh, my God. Meghan Markle, she couldn't, she couldn't want to be liked more than anyone I've ever seen. She needs it. She needs to be liked or she's going to fall apart. So these, these two just crave attention. And all behind the scenes, all underneath it, they're telling us that we're all terrible people because we won't leave them alone. Well, go away then. Go away. <laughs> Just leave us alone. Leave us alone, for God's sake. Go to some secluded mansion in the Hollywood Hills, collecting your millions upon tens of millions from, from Netflix or Spotify or podcasts and whatever it is that you're complaining you're not getting enough money for the royals while you just collect paycheck after paycheck by crying victimhood. Enjoy, but leave us alone. So yes, so Chris Rock makes a bit of a nod to that, that he's not going to play the victim like some people out there. And um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. You know, he, he said, uh, you know, he didn't have any entanglements. He said, uh, she hurt him way more than he hurt me. And that's true. You know, this was between Will Smith and his wife. Uh, before dropping the mic, uh, he was holding his arms triumphantly and said, uh, the reason why he didn't physically retaliate also the fact that Will Smith is a big dude. Uh, he said, because I've got parents. Again, uh, another really, I just think, sensible and respectful thing from a, a really well-balanced guy. And uh, I hope he continues to do really well. Um, that's it. He's got parents, you know. He's, he's trying to show that respect and he doesn't want to make a fool of himself on the world stage. Uh, again, you know, I, and I'm not trying to cancel Will, Will Smith. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not, I'm not trying to cancel anyone. I just... I think Will Smith is a product, again, of, of where we're at and how, you know, um, other people are taking the fall. And, uh, look, I, I hope um, he reconciles with, with Chris Rock. But if not, uh, that's life, you know. That's what he's done. He may have damaged that relationship um, uh, indefinitely. So, anyway, there you go. Chris Rock finally uh, uh, mentioning Will Smith. And, look, I, I still like Will Smith's music. I still like him. I'm not going to cancel his past. I just hope he... He learns and evolves and learns from his mistakes in the future. Not willing to cancel him. So, so there you go. That's how we're going to play it. And uh, speaking of playing it, going to play a few of our awesome sponsor, sponsors. And up next, um, some more great music on Radio Motion, our Rough Riders episode tonight. Wow. Do you feel kickstarted? I do. Molly Crew, kickstart my heart. That take me, takes me back to the boombox days for anyone who had a boombox. Uh, it seems embarrassing now, but 
I had one, and that was the cool thing to walk around and play music for others to hear. You, you see, we used to live in a world of of just trying to spread the love, not just trying to get the likes. And uh, I think now, now I'd probably trigger someone if I played music too loudly. God knows if you played music on the train, uh, people would be triggered and uh, offended. But yeah, the boombox days, um, that's, um, that's awesome. I don't know. I think um, it can't hurt to return to that uh, once in a while to, you know, hear that sound of music off in the distance. I don't know. We're so introverted these days. We're so closed off. We're so isolated. Uh, we're in a world of of social media, but none of us are really connected. We're all connected through this this virtual, unrealistic space with our, our avatars living in there. Uh, we're dressing ourselves on our avatars. Our cartoon avatars are getting all the fun and getting all the likes, and we're just the poor slob <laughs> on the other side behind the scenes, you know, pulling the strings of the marionette. All right, that's a bit deep, but... Um, uh, that's how I, I felt when I immediately had a flashback to um, to happier times in the 80s and 90s. Uh, before that, Copperhead Road by Steve Earle. Um, one of my favorite songs. I love that song. All part of tonight's sort of uh, uh, Rough Rider sound. Um, uh, that one, Copperhead Road. Tell me this wouldn't make a great movie. And, uh, you know, I shouldn't say that because someone's going to hear it, write a screenplay, and boom, they're going to be a millionaire. That's all right. Just, um, you know, give me give me a percentage. Give me my props. But Copperhead Road, that song, is just, it's got an awesome story that maybe I've seen vaguely on the silver screen, uh, if there is still a silver screen, more like silver, uh, the, the silver stream, it's just um, streaming at home. But anyway, when movies were movies, um, this, this, you know, lineage of, of his, his grandfather and father uh, being uh, moonshiners and bootleggers. And uh, look, that's such a... That's such a deep historical part of American history, uh, and I, I just think those stories really haven't been told. And th- this one's great, talking about John Lee uh, Pettimore, uh, his father and grandfather, uh, both moonshiners, um, visiting the town rarely just to buy supplies and going back up into the hills to the still. Uh, again, you know, there are bright sides to this. It is all about, you know supporting family i mean that's what it was always about when it was something like that sure it was an illegal venture but uh (laughs) there's there's some 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 romance and style to it when you when you tell stories like that but yeah going up back into the the still on in the hollows you know in tennessee you know picture picture that how how cool is that going back then uh you know maybe to the to the it doesn't, doesn't even have to be like the 1930s sort of prohibition this is more like you know more like maybe the the 50s and 60s and because uh, they talk about um uh tearing down an old police cruiser that they bought at a surplus auction again the story is shaping itself that's so cool because that would be one of my favorite scenes because yes they used to do that they used to buy old police cars uh because those cars were completely souped up you know, you could buy a, a normal car stock. Again, this is back in the days. This is the 60s. This isn't modern times where, you know, you just get a Tesla with a lithium battery in it and, you know, change the battery. Again, uh, that's not as sexy as an awesome 60s muscle car that used to be a police car. And they, you know, they strip it down and they get the motor all soaped up. And then that becomes your, your moonshine car. All right. Yeah, it's a little bit like Dukes of Hazard, But look, <laughs> if anyone's seen Dukes of Hazard. You know, that's a bit of a templated comedy routine thrown in there. But, uh, you know, I think we can move beyond that and make this a really cool drama movie. So work with me. So they're tearing down the car. 
you know, and, and the kid is seeing this all, you know, it's coming from the point of view of the kid telling the story. And, uh, you know, that was part of his life. And, uh, yeah, there's some good and bad, uh, talking about the revenue man, uh, once confronted John senior on Copperhead road and, uh, intent on, uh, apprehending him for his moonshine activities, but, uh, uh never returned. And, uh, his dad being killed himself in a fiery crash on the same road on Copperhead road. So, you know, you've got this cool backstory and then here's the son grows up, uh, enlists in the army. And again, this is like during the Vietnam era. Uh, unless in the army does two tours of duty in Vietnam, but starts thinking about his future and then it, and then it clicks, you know, I've already got this legacy in my family. I've got it in my blood. Uh, but moonshine's changed. That's not the deal anymore. It's gone from moonshine to marijuana. Again, I get it. There are some, some touchy subjects here, but look, it's a movie and, uh, Hey, these things happened and probably still happening. So he's trying to think of a future plan once he gets out of the army. Hey, he's going to go up into the hollow, up into the hills. And instead of moonshine, he's going to keep his connections uh, from Colombia and Mexico. Maybe he's been, you know, making some friends and getting some some connections. And he's going to take that and he's going to start growing marijuana up there. And so ensues sort of the modern story of the same thing that his dad did, uh, bootlegging and running moonshine. But now he's doing it with marijuana, trying to evade the DEA. Again, I think it has all the elements of, of, of cool and drama and action and uh, uh, a story and family. Whether it has a happy or sad ending, I mean, that's up to you. But anyway, <laughs> that's one of those songs I think uh, has the potential to be a great story just coming from a story itself. And I was looking it up. That doesn't, I don't seem to see a lot of information that it maybe was inspired by something i'm sure it was inspired by a lot of things in uh in uh, the songwriter's uh life or whatever but it would be great to elaborate on that and and make it a, an awesome screenplay see it at the movies anyway just food for thought um i think a lot of songs are like that if you think about it you know um maybe not songs today they're <laughs> pretty templated and and nothing you you could really make a movie out of but historically we've got uh you know a hundred years of great music that uh, could also make great movies. See? So there you go. Anyway, thanks for joining me tonight on Radio Motion, our Rough Riders. You're listening to Summary Radio 99.3 FM. Uh, we'll be right back after a word from our awesome sponsors. <laughs> 